With 20 games to go, can the Pelicans actually catch the Lakers for the ninth seed? Let's look ahead at the schedule to see and find out. Plus, if Zion comes back healthy before the end of the season, is it worth it to play him? Let's talk about it in the Friday episode of Locked on Pelicans. Let's go. You are Locked on Pelicans, your daily New Orleans Pelicans podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans at NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, here with y'all on this Friday, wrapping up a fun week of Locked On Pelicans, the Mardi Gras week of Locked On Pelicans 2. And it's a game day for your New Orleans Pelicans, their toughest test to date after the All-Star break. Take it on the Utah Jazz. So we're going to open today's show talking about if the Pelicans can maybe win this game and start to catch the Los Angeles Lakers, who are in complete free fall, over the final 20 games and get the ninth spot in the playing tournament instead of 10, because there's big implications with that. Then a listener question, a couple listener questions, actually. I'll tie it around. Is it worth it playing Zion? And then the final segment, we're going to talk a little bit about the TV rating numbers that came out recently and kind of building the Pelicans fan base and what I think is the most important thing when it comes to that. So let's dive into it all. And thank you for making Locked On Pelicans your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcast and on YouTube as well. Five days a week. No paywall or anything like that. No one else is coming to you this regularly. The team's good right now. It's a fun ride, so you want to be a part of it, so make sure you're tuning in every single day and Locked On Pelicans is your first listen. Okay, so the Pelicans' remaining schedule on the surface of it looks kind of tough, I think. It's not the hardest in the league, but it is certainly not the easiest. The remaining schedule is this, the Utah Jazz tonight. You're on the road against the Nuggets and Grizzlies, then a four-game home stretch against the Magic Hornets, Rockets, and Suns. So this three-game stretch coming up, Jazz, Nuggets, Grizzlies, is tough. The Pelicans have looked like world beaters over their 3-0 start after the All-Star break. And I originally wanted to do a segment on, like, where can the Pelicans improve? And then you dive into their numbers, and like, over the three-game stretch, they're top in the league in basically everything. There's, like, no weakness to this team right now. You played against the Lakers, who are just very bad right now, right? It doesn't get old saying that, does it? You played against the Kings, who are the Kings. You beat the Phoenix Suns handily too, but they were missing Chris Paul, and he's definitely the engine that kind of makes that machine really, really work. So this next slate of games, the Jazz, the Nuggets, and the Grizzlies, are really where we're going to tell if this Pelicans team is legit or not, or if they're just good enough to, for the 10th spot, and they're a 10th seed. And maybe that's just what they are, and that's not necessarily the worst thing. But then you're able to make some ground up against that four-game home stretch. Magic, Hornets, Rockets, Suns. Suns should not have Chris Paul during that. Then you've got a tough stretch on the road at the Spurs, at the Hawks, at the Hornets on the second night of a back-to-back. There's winnable games there to a degree, but the Spurs have given New Orleans trouble so far this season. Then you're at home against the Bulls, the Spurs, the Lakers. Again, Lakers, very winnable game. And those are key in all of this, right? That's the team you're trying to catch in ninth. And if you do finish in ninth in the Western Conference, you host a home play-in tournament game. The seventh and eighth seed play each other with the winner going on into the seventh spot. And then the loser of that is going to play the winner of the ninth and tenth seed. So you'd like to host that game so at least you get to advance a little bit in the play-in tournament. 
The ninth and 10th spot need to win two games to get into the actual playoffs, where the seven and eight seeds only need to win one. So if you can host that home game and win it, gets you halfway there and just makes your life a little bit easier than having to win two road games. So getting that ninth spot, I think dramatically increases your chance of getting into the play-in tournament. So that's why New Orleans is really kind of looking at that. So Bulls, Spurs, Lakers, again, beat the Lakers. You climb a full game in the standings, getting to them. Then a tough-ish four-game road trip. The Blazers, Lakers, Clippers, Kings. Lakers, I think those are very winnable games. Kings could be hit or miss, but I think that's a winnable one too. The Blazers at this point, you're assuming would be kind of stealth tanking. They've already shut down Nurkic for the year. That I think is kind of a big part of it. They don't want to be winning games. They're going to probably start to take some guys out, kind of stealth rest them, things like that. Then you have the Clippers who, as I'm recording this, are straight up cooking the Lakers right now. Then you finish with at home against the Blazers. Again, should be winnable. At the Grizzlies, who might have a playoff spot sewn up at that point, or their seeding sewn up at that point and are resting people. And then you finish at home against the Warriors on the second night of a back-to-back. Same situation applies. Final game of the season. Are they going to play, guys? Not if their seed's already set. Not if they don't really care or it doesn't change or anything like that, who they're going to play in the next round, in the first round. I think you could see a bunch of rest from the Grizzlies and Warriors in that final back-to-back that ends their season. So I think it is, while a tough schedule in terms of strength of schedule remaining, it's about a 500 schedule right now for New Orleans. The Lakers and some of those teams are really starting to help them with that. It's a fairly middle-of-the-road doable thing for New Orleans. They should be able to play very well. Whereas the Lakers, it's rough. They're getting beaten by the Clippers right now as I'm recording this. Golden State, who's still playing. San Antonio, Houston, Washington. Those are the winnable games for them, I think. San Antonio, Houston, Washington. But I don't know if they're better than some of those teams right now. Then they're on the road to Phoenix, at home versus Toronto in the second night of a back-to-back, at Minnesota, at Toronto, at Washington, at Cleveland. The Washington game, the most winnable one in that road stretch, second night of the back-to-back for the Lakers. Then you're back at home versus Philly, on the road to New Orleans, Dallas, Utah, all good teams. Then at home against New Orleans, if you're the Lakers, second night of a back-to-back, plays into the Pelicans' advantage, at home against Denver, then at Phoenix, at Golden State, Oklahoma City at home on the second night of a back-to-back. That game is probably winnable for him. And then at Denver. So yeah, maybe Denver, that final game, is resting guys, kind of depending. They might also have Jamal Murray back too and Michael Porter Jr. at that point, which means the Lakers, maybe they want those guys to get some run. But basically, if New Orleans goes something like 500, 10-10 the rest of the way, the Lakers need to go something like 12, win 12 more games. In that stretch that I just said right there, do you see 12 wins for the Lakers? Because I don't. This team is bad right now. LeBron's body language the other night just looked like a guy who wants the season to end. He's playing to stat chase right now and to become the NBA's all-time leading scorer in the regular season. So he's going to go out there and get his, but dude doesn't want to play some defense right now. He's upset about calls. You saw it. He just gave up the other night for that team. I think New Orleans has a very realistic chance of getting to nine. And as I said, that's really important because you get to host that first play-in tournament game. That is a very big deal. Also, the Smoothie King Center would be probably pretty fun there, knowing that you're kind of in a win-or-go-home type of situation. 
So I think this is big, and I do think there's a very realistic chance that New Orleans is able to catch the Lakers when you look at those two schedules. And look, you still got to worry about the Spurs a little bit. They want to get into the postseason. They've got an all-star in, in, in uh, DeJounte Murray, who's been really good. They want to get some postseason success. They've got Greg Popovich there, right? Like, they're not trying to lose games while he's their head coach. But I think New Orleans is the more talented team. You need to take care of those games against San Antonio. If you do that in the Lakers, it should be New Orleans in the ninth seed, probably the Lakers in 10. But you never know, depending on what happens with LeBron and how he's playing and how frustrated he is. So I think there is a very good chance that New Orleans is going to be able to get into the ninth spot if things go their way. Doesn't always happen, but we're we're hopeful. But we'll see. It's why you got to play the games. But here's a tough stretch coming up. These next three games kind of really give us an idea, I think, of where New Orleans truly stands and how good is this team right now versus the past three games and what's real, what's a bit of a mirage. All right, coming up, let's talk about Zion a little bit, but in a positive way. If he's healthy, do you play him? Even if it's, say, the final five games of the season. Listener questions, let's answer them coming up here next in today's episode of Locked On Pelicans. Before we get to that, though, today's episode of Locked On Pelicans is brought to you by BetOnline.net. Football might be over for this season, but basketball's full steam ahead for both pro and college hoops as we gear up for the tournament. So for all the latest odds, totals, and player props, you've got to head to BetOnline.net, your number one spot for all your sports betting needs. And BetOnline.net remains the best spot for just your sports scores, podcasts, and news. It's got more than just the lines and the odds and the bets that you want to make. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline.net, your source for hockey, boxing, UFC, soccer, whatever it might be, they play it, they cover it over at BetOnline.net. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to get there to learn more about the trends and the action over at BetOnline.net, BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, thank you for making Locked On Pelicans your first listen every day. For your next listen, check out the Locked On Now podcast. Nightly recaps of every NBA game with analysis from our local experts. It's free and available wherever you get your podcast. You can't get all the context you need to know what happened the night before from just looking at the box scores. You need the local experts who are covering these teams on a daily basis. I put one of these in after every game, giving you the big takeaway, the need to know information. Show's like 10 minutes. It's going to give you everything you need about what happened the night before. Just quick hitters. It's a great way to stay on top of everything NBA. Locked on now. Again, it's free and wherever you get your podcasts. All right. So we just went over why I think New Orleans really is a good chance to get into the ninth seed and do maybe make a little bit of noise in the play-in tournament and try and get into the actual postseason. If Zion's healthy and we just had that good update from him, right, or from him, about him, is it a realistic possibility that maybe the Pelicans would or should play him? So I asked for questions because I said I had a segment. You guys all delivered, and I appreciate you all responding to that. So this comes from two people, and it's kind of a variation of the same one. The first one comes from Jason Cook, at Jason Cook Nola. His question is, what if the team is rolling and Zion comes up ready to play right at the play-in? Do you punch him in because it could be buckets? Do you keep him out there to, or do you keep him out to not mess with chemistry and worry about how that disgruntles his team? And then we had another listener, Phil Nola, at Phil Nola, that basically said kind of the same thing. Is there some merit to holding Zion out if he's not healthy to play until the last five games of the year? When getting him game ready could disrupt the chemistry that the team has as they approach the play-in. It's especially important consideration if the Pels haven't yet locked in a play-in berth. The lack of chemistry and trying to get Zion to work with essentially all the new players except Brandon Ingram and Jackson Hayes could lead to some losses in a critical time of the year, potentially. 
These are good questions, and I appreciate you both, with similar Twitter handles, by the way, coming in with this one. The answer, I think, is yes. You're going to play him. So a couple of things to consider this. Let's use it in Phil's idea of the final five games of the regular season. So one, and this will tie into the next segment too, you want to see Zion out there. You all want to see Zion out there. Do you forget what he did last year and how good he was? 27 points per game almost in his sleep. You want to see that guy out there. You want him to play with this team for reasons we talked about in yesterday's show. The vibes are excellent. It's fun right now. Those guys are having an absolute blast. If there's some frostiness between him and the organization, him coming into an upbeat, fun situation is probably going to help melt some of that away. I'm not going to say it's going to fix things. I don't want to get that far with it. But if he's smiling a little bit more, that's only going to help things for the future. That's only going to help things for the future. And then if he is healthy and you don't really let him play, and you probably have to start him if he's healthy, you don't do that. Look, he already hated being brought back slowly from injury before. And that's where I think a big cause of the concern and the rift between him him and his camp and the franchise and David Griffin came from in the medical staff and why he doesn't trust them. You don't play that guy. It's only going to make it worse. And look, in terms of the chemistry thing, I think we overrate that to a certain degree at times, right? Your best players are going to win you games and Zion is one of your best players. Chemistry is great. Chemistry is great. But if you don't have the horses to get you over the finish line and help you win games... It doesn't really matter, right? We've seen good team chemistry before, and this team's been bad because they didn't have the talent. Earlier in the season, there was good chemistry. These guys have been happy. They also lost four games before going, or sorry, three games going into the All-Star break. You need your best players to help get you wins, and Zion is that. Another thing on the chemistry side of it, though, I think, is he he's going to be practicing with the team. There's going to be a ramp-up period. Again, it's hypothetical. I don't think he's actually going to be playing, but I kind of like talking about this question to kind of give you context on how they're going to bring him along. He's going to progress to weight-bearing activities. Then he's going to progress to contact activities, which includes five-on-five practice. They're not going to just throw him out there if he hasn't gone through that and cleared certain, and I kind of hate using this word when it comes to this, benchmarks, right? They need to make sure there's no setback. I mean, he needs to be able to handle a little bit of contact. Someone's going to step on his foot at some point, I'm sure. They need to make sure that stuff is okay. Now, Another thing to consider, and this goes back to Phil's question too, right? If they don't have a, a playing spot sewn up by the final five games, is the team going to do it? You know, I, I've always said, and I said this earlier in the year, don't fall in love with players on a losing team and not want to trade them. Josh Hart sending him out as much as we like the guy. The team wasn't winning when he was here. It wasn't solely due to him. He wasn't a bad player, but you need better players coming in. And Zion is definitely that. And again, I think it just builds excitement. It hopefully gets him involved with the team a lot more. I think there's a lot of reasons to have him out there. Last thing I'll say on this. For the playing tournament, putting him out there, even if he's not, what, 100% but can play. He's, it's a huge decoy, right? Teams are not going to not pay attention to him. You have to account for Zion Williamson out there. Do you remember what he did last season? Dude was an absolute beast. You can't just forget about a guy like that and teams won't you throw him the ball they're going right to him maybe he can't drive and have the athleticism that he once did but drawing two defenders means someone is open and we saw the point zion experiment last year and it was good he passed the ball very well if we can create a little bit more space for for um, cj mccollum or for brandon ingram even if it means zion's a bit of a decoy out there 
Sign me up. I think that's one of a big a big part of it too. So I think getting him on the court, if he's available, if it's a possibility, if it's not going to cause a regression in the injury or anything like that, absolutely you put him out there, even if it's just for five games or so, even if you're the 10th spot and it's a long shot that you actually get into the actual postseason and don't make it and just get bounced out of the play-in tournament. I think you absolutely want to have him out there for all of the reasons that I just went over. All right, coming up, let's talk about the TV ratings building the fan base. What's the most important thing? And I'll explain my thoughts on this coming up here next in today's episode of Locked On Pelicans. But before we get to that, today's episode of Locked On Pelicans is brought to you by Built Bar. We're in March. You know, if you're not sticking to your New Year's resolutions, they're out the window at this point. But I am eating healthier and I'm feeling better. And a big part of that is because of Built Bar. I wanted to cut down on sugars, things like that. And now I've got Built Bar as my secret weapon to help me do that because Built Bars are the best tasting protein bar out there. They taste better than a candy bar. You would not believe these things. I have three boxes at my house right now. The churro puff bar, the white chocolate raspberry cheesecake, and the coconut brownie chunk, which won their their tournament last year of the best tasting built bar. It won in a landslide. The thing is amazing and it's good for you. It's healthy for you. When I have a sugar craving and unfortunately I get those, I go eat a part of a built bar, eat the whole built bar. I eat these as a meal replacement for lunch a lot of the time, or I know so many listeners do it before or after a workout. These things taste amazing that you're excited about it. So it makes sticking to your resolution of eating healthier a little bit easier. And if you eat a protein bar anyway, you may as well eat the best tasting one. And when you look at the macros on them, trust me, they're just as good, if not better, than any other protein bar you're trying. Most have 130 calories, 4 grams sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Eat the good tasting one. It's Built Bar. It's really that simple. Whether it's mint brownie, which is one of my favorite, the flavors that I mentioned, I love the coconut almond too. And they have these puff bars, which are protein infused marshmallow, which are like nothing you've ever tried. And all Built Bars are covered in with 100% real chocolate. So when I get those sugar cravings, I grab a Built Bar and you should do the same. And you can go to Built.com, use promo code LOCK15 and get 15% off your next order. Again, that is promo code LOCK15 for 15% off over at Built.com. All right, thank you for making Locked On Pelicans your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcast, five days a week. No one else doing anything like that. No paywall, just free Pelicans talk. Talking about a team that's on the rise and looking to get in the playing tournament, and we're covering it from all the different angles. So, for your second listen, check out Locked On Saints. Host Ross Jackson is live at the Combine giving you updates. Do the Saints have a QB in their sights? Are they going to draft... Maybe it's Willis in the first round. Ross Jackson covering everything black and gold over at Locked On Saints. Make sure he is your second listen. So a couple of interesting things came out the other day regarding the TV rankings. And I thought this is this is great, right? Because you hear the national media yapping, oh, they should move. No one cares about the Pelicans in New Orleans. And it's all BS. And I don't pay any attention to it because you know what? Those guys can't actually move the team. So their opinions don't matter. And frankly, if I need a basketball opinion, I'm probably not going to some of those guys. I'm not going to actually listen to Kendrick Perkins. I'm not going to actually listen to, to you know, Bill Simmons or anything like that. That's why you, you all come here for the right type of Pelicans talk that, you know, tells you like it is. And so the ratings come out and New Orleans is crazy for basketball. The local TV ratings came out and the Pelicans are right in the middle. And that's a really good spot to be in for a small market team. And I think it's kind of impressive because... There's like only two ways to get games right now, right? 
Hulu and YouTube TV do not carry Pell's games on there. You have to be a cable subscriber, and a lot of people are cutting the cord. That's still the minority, so don't mistake it for this huge, huge population, but it's a lot, and that would only make that local number go up if people weren't having to pirate games, which won't factor into that, or just straight up not watch it because they don't have a friend's login that they can use or something along those lines. And then you get the national numbers, right? Which markets have delivered, this is the tweet, it's from Alex Kennedy, at Alex Kennedy NBA. Which markets have delivered the highest ratings for national NBA games across ABC, ESPN, and TNT this season? New Orleans is number one. We're a sports crazed city, we know that, right? We love sports, we love ESPN, and whenever there's basketball on. And I'm sure this number's up there a little bit because, again, part of it goes to where Bally Sports is, and they're not on Hulu or... YouTube TV, so when they're on national TV, more people can watch it. But I also know a lot of people are watching these national games just on a nightly basis when they're on national networks and it's other teams playing. So there is a passionate group of NBA fans here, of basketball fans. Also worth noting Birmingham, where their G League affiliate is, number nine on this ranking of the national TV ones. And that makes sense, right? Because they, they can't really watch much other NBA unless they have League Pass or something along those lines. So why doesn't this translate to attendance in the arena? And I think the biggest thing is, and this question was you know, on Twitter the other day, winning. You have to win consistently if you want to get people to leave their house or not do other things and instead come to games. I've seen a lot of talk of, oh, they need to upgrade the concessions in there, right? They need to have more of a New Orleans vibe in there. All of that is true, yes, but that is not stopping people from going to games. When you think about the fun you've had in the arena... Or a period of time when you had fun going to games, it was likely the team was good. I talked to a lot of people yesterday, like, oh man, you know, during the CP, David West, Tyson Chandler, Peja era, it was so much fun going to the New Orleans Arena, which I think is what the name was. I don't think they had a sponsor for it at that time. That place was rocking. Well, you know what? The food wasn't better then. The in-game experience was basically the same thing. And that place was being sold out. And people were having a hell of a time there. That series against the Spurs, the Spurs and those guys from that area, the big three from them, have openly talked about how much of like a home court advantage and tough it was to play in there. People were showing up because the team was good. Yeah, they should upgrade the food and do some better marketing and things. But if the team's not good, no one's going to get to try that food because no one is going to games. I get asked this question all the time and I'm getting asked this question right now. Should I emotionally invest in the Pelicans? Should I start paying attention? All the time, my answer is, yeah, you should. <coughs> Sorry. Because teams young, they're doing well. They're playing a fun-style basketball right now, and they're fun to watch. So people do. They buy tickets. Maybe they buy season tickets on the promise that next year is going to be even better, right? Because that's what it looks like. But we've always been here before. And they always, for a variety of reasons, some that are not always their own fault, right, have fallen flat on their faces. And then those people who spent that money, who invested emotionally and financially in the team, feel burned. And then they go away. And this is what's going to happen when the team doesn't make consecutive playoff appearances for like a really long time, right? When the team has one has made the postseason maybe a third of the time they've been here. I know it's less than half now. When the team constantly promises, right, and is always promising, it's going to get good soon, it's going to get good soon, it's going to get good soon. And then that never comes to fruition. Again, not always due to their fault. Sometimes due to superstars who, whatever reason, right? 
It burns people, so they're not going to come back until this team wins consistently. When they do that, the concessions won't matter. You want to make sure that stuff's there. Gets people to spend more money, I think. But that's not going to be the draw for why people go. Once you've also built it up and you are packing the place after consecutive winning seasons or making the postseason three straight years or whatever it is, you need to have those high amenities because... It helps your attrition rate when you start to lose again, too. It means people won't drop their tickets as quickly because they're having fun there and they remember the good times and hope those can come back. But winning is going to drive people to the arena. They're selling the tickets right now. These are no-shows. They're no-shows because the team isn't good, not because they're upset about the food. If you're not making the food better than all of the restaurants down the street, which are right there near the Smoothie King Center, people aren't going to go there for the food. You can have a fun party atmosphere in there, but you know what's probably a more fun party atmosphere? A club, a bar, rowdy bar, right? They're not going for that. They're going to see winning basketball. I think the TV side of things and it not being available to a large portion of the fan base definitely is part of it. It not being at bars is, is maybe a part, though I don't really feel that's the case because the bars wouldn't have the sound on anyway, so how can you really learn more about the team? Win! Win and people want to be a part of that. People want to be associated with a winner and they will show up. So if the Pelicans, and this is why they're pushing for the 10th spot, right? It's probably better to tank for a top four pick and keep the pick and try and add that to the core for the long-term chances of getting a championship. But you get into the postseason now. Future's bright next year, bumps you up a little bit. You make the postseason next year straight up as, say, the sixth seed. It's two years you've made the postseason. People will be there. It puts it, what, two years, three years from now. You need that. You've got to win consistently and people will show up. Otherwise, eh, they'd rather stay home and they would do other things. Not because it's a bland experience in there. The experience in there isn't bad. It's fine. It is nothing special. I'll give you that. But the Pelicans actually grade out pretty high. The NBA does like a grading of the in-arena experience for every NBA team. And the Pelicans grade very highly, basically every single year. Probably because it's safe, to be honest. But people also want safe. You might not, but a lot of people do. So I don't think... There's much they can do to drive attendance other than straight up win games, which hopefully they're going to do. And we just went over in the first segment talking about why it looks kind of good and their chances for getting into the postseason are excellent. All right. So that's going to do it for this episode of Locked on Pelicans. Enjoy the game tonight. I am looking forward to it. Hi, David. If you are listening, as always, I'm your host, Jake Madison at Nola Jake on Twitter. We're going to have a whole lot to cover, I'm sure, in next week's show. Talking about the games this weekend and where the Pelicans stand in the play-in tournament race. And now for your second listen, Locked On NBA. I'm normally on there on Wednesdays when it's not right after Mardi Gras. Locked On experts covering the biggest stories around the NBA every Monday through Friday in less than 30 minutes. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. And I'll be back with you all on Monday.